KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. For some of us, this was a long weekend. Not all of us, but you know, some of us had a little bit of a little bit of a long weekend on this uh, this President's Day holiday. Jay, do you feel like this is just a normal week for you? Because today. I don't know about you, Brian. I am dragging the Mondayest of Mondays are Tuesdays after long weekends. Today definitely has a Tuesday, Monday feel to it. Tuesdays after a long weekend, yes, are tough. But then all of a sudden you kind of get your groove back by Wednesday and you're looking at only a couple days left in the week. And then I think I get I get the boost knowing that it's a shortened week the rest of the week. That short week feeling is always a good one. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. It's Deuces Wild on this Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. There's twos all over the place, but uh, we got some serious business to talk about today. We're, we're going to start with a really huge story here in the city of Philadelphia. There was a significant break in an investigation into a local carjacking ring. Philadelphia Police Department announced this morning the arrest of Jonathan Akubu in connection to at least four carjacking shootings. Now, that's coming from KYW's crime and justice reporter Kristen Johansson. Two of those shootings were fatal. Akubu was charged with murder, robbery, and other gun offenses related to those crimes. And there was a big press conference at police headquarters. And Brian, you were able to really listen in on this. How were investigators able to catch this guy? I'll get to that in a second. But first, why don't we tee it off with this? Daniel Outlaw, Philadelphia Police Department Commissioner, not messing around. If this press conference today shows anything, I hope that it's this. If you're doing wrong... If you're engaging in illegal activities, the PPD and all of these people behind me, local, state, federal law enforcement agencies that you see are coming for you. So that was Outlaw speaking at this big press event earlier today at the Roundhouse on 8th and Race. A lot of local, state and federal law enforcement officials there, the district attorney office as well. And it was a breakdown, an explainer on how the police department was able to zero in and arrest 28-year-old Jonathan Akubu, who was involved in this carjacking ring. And one of the key breaks was that they were able to, the police department, identify a vehicle that was placed at the scene of multiple crimes. It was a 2021 silver Toyota Camry based on surveillance footage and some other details. And I thought, listening to this whole press conference, one of the craziest developments was a chance encounter that a Penn police officer had with the operator of that Camry not too long ago after a police bulletin was sent out to local law enforcement officials. So this is how Homicide Captain Jason Smith explained it at today's press conference. It was kind of like a mere encounter. He, yeah, he um, very alertly um, recognized that the, that the vehicle um, uh, was, was associated with our patrol alert. Um, he went up to the vehicle, he began an investigation, looking at it, um, uh, writing down the, the, the vehicle identification number, um, and then he, had a con- he initiated a conversation with the, um, with the operator of that vehicle. Now, this whole operation, this sounds like something out of a movie or out of a video game where it's like, is this like a whole gang of just carjackers? Is this some sort of like tight knit crime syndicate running around picking off people for their cars around the city? That's a great point, because if I were a resident, that's what I would want to know. Could this be a domino that really makes a dent in this whole thing? And it sounds like, at least in the case of Jonathan Akubu, this was not something that was very structured. But here's Jason Smith giving some more detail on that. I'm going to say they're, they're loosely organized. We're not, yeah, we're not, right, we're not talking about um, 
groups that, you know, like the mafia or anything like that, where they have these, these hierarchies. These are, you know, these are groups that one day Mr. Akubu could have been working with two individuals, the next day he could have been working with three or four. So I would say more loosely knitted groups. The police seem to believe that the associates that Akubu was working with were younger than him, some in their teens, some in their early 20s. So just, again, another unfortunate scenario in which young people are getting involved in stuff that they obviously should not be. There have been 840 carjackings in Philadelphia within the last year. So obviously this is a broader scope problem. That is double the amount that happened in 2020, four times the number that happened in 2019. It's just mind-boggling how much this has increased in such a short period of time. KYW News Radio City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Loeb talked with City Council Member Kenyatta Johnson, and he is just concerned, and his six constituents are concerned for their safety. Nobody feels safe right now here in the city of Philadelphia. The average citizen can't even drive down the street without fear of somebody taking their car. I don't even let my wife go to the gas station, and we shouldn't have to feel this way. Those two murders that Jonathan Akubu is accused of also involved guns, and it makes people nervous. You're not supposed to feel like this. And it's really all part of this whole cycle of gun violence. And Mayor Jim Kenney, he he addressed that today as well. I don't know about you, but those guns and the types of those guns should not be in Philadelphia, should not be available to anyone in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, or in my opinion, the United States of America. Uh, And look at what our people are up against. I mean, our our officers are are equipped with Glocks generally and, and body armor. Some of these guys are running around with AK-47s, AR-15s, uh, and multi-shot clips. And until the state legislature and the people deti- determine that we don't need these guns in circulation, especially in the hands of 12- and 14-year-olds, it's insanity. And I'll say it again. You're probably sick of me hearing to say it. It's harder to get a driver's license in Pennsylvania than it is to get a gun. And there's something wrong with that. Uh, that goes into a whole different commentary right there. But we'll talk more about the carjackings here in the city of Philadelphia And how to keep yourself safe with Philadelphia Deputy Police Commissioner Ben Nash. He's going to join us on the podcast in just a little bit. We've got some other news happening here aside from this, though, Sabrina. One thing I heard about recently that really kind of kind of hit home a little bit close to home, I guess, for me, is that Pennsylvania, the state is launching a new pilot program to provide doulas for incarcerated pregnant women now as someone who plans to hopes to get pregnant someday myself. This seems like an extra level of support that is really needed at one of the most vulnerable times in a woman's life, especially to go through pregnancy on its own is a daunting thing. And while you're in jail, incarcerated, that's that's a lot. That is a lot to deal with. Daria Coffey is the founder of Genesis Birth Services. She's one of the doulas that's participating in this, and she explains why this is important. To be able to hold someone's hand and say, you can do this. You've got this. Your body was designed to do this. I'm here. I'm here with you. What are your concerns? All of those are priceless experiences and experiences that anyone who is giving birth deserves. Being in prison while pregnant where a segment of society looks at you as if you should just be thrown away or you put yourself in this position, this humanizes a lot of these women. And also it gives them a fair shot to at least be able to give birth to a child who isn't asking for any sort of issue, just simply just trying to get here, basically. Yeah. So seven women have participated so far. Again, this is a pilot program. So hopefully it will expand and we can get these opportunities to more incarcerated women. This weekend out at Penn State University, they held their annual dance marathon and it came back in person this year. It's 50th year and they raised an astonishing amount of money. 
$13.7 million for pediatric cancer research. Now, KYW's John McDevitt was there, and here's a bit of what it sounded like out in State College. Some participants singing Don't Stop Believing. They came together to dance, to raise money for pediatric cancer, and to show support for families. We were blessed with the birth of an angel. Her name was Mackenzie Marie Schneider. She was known to the family as Big Mac, Little Mac, Mac and Cheese, and Sugar Sugar, because she was so sweet. Among the speakers, Ed Snyder, who lost his daughter to cancer in 2009 at the age of three. We stand and thon and pray for the angels and their families to give them peace. We pray and thon for the families and their children who are fighting the fight. And we pray and thon for someday a cure that no child will ever die again from cancer. And I should have mentioned that that's what they actually call the dance marathon. They simply call it THON in all caps, T-H-O-N. But yeah, 50 years of it, they raised nearly $14 million for pediatric cancer research. It's just simply incredible by the students out there at Penn State. I know everyone around here loves to identify Penn State with the football program and all that stuff, but this is why people should recognize Penn State for being a great institution. This is really something that, obviously, if you're from around here, you know. You see the kids out on the street during Thon season canning. At least this was before the pandemic. People coming back from college, raising money, going all over the place to get behind this one cause. And it's obviously an incredible cause. And, I mean, just think about that. Nearly $14 million is awesome. I just... I want to ask John, I wonder if we have any video or footage of John out there at Bryce Jordan Center getting involved with the dances, the cheers. It's, it was, that's just fantastic. That's it's absolutely fantastic. It's a 46-hour dance marathon. 46 hours. That's almost two straight days of dancing. I mean, for a good cause. So I'm, I'm all here for it, and I'm here for raising money in fun ways like that. They broke the, the previous record was $13.3 million from 2014. So it came back. It was virtual last year, and they came back better than ever. It's just you love to hear it. And you, you certainly love to hear it. You certainly love to see it. When we come back, we're going to be bringing in Philadelphia Police Deputy Commissioner Ben Nash. He's going to try to help us wrap our heads around this baffling increase in carjackings that have been happening around the city of Philadelphia, how authorities, local and federal, are trying to stop it, and what we can do to protect ourselves out here. That's coming up in just a few minutes on the JohnCast. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And the Philadelphia Police Department announced this morning during a press conference that they arrested a man in connection with at least four carjackings and shootings. And one of the people who spoke during that press conference this morning was Philadelphia Police Deputy Commissioner Ben Nash. Deputy Commissioner Nash, it's good to have you on with us today. And carjackings continue to be the highest maybe ever here in the city of Philadelphia. What can you tell us about why that is and how that's come to be over the last couple of years? It's not a local issue right now. It's happening across the country. And I think that it's really important to keep that in mind. And it's not just a way of deflecting finger pointing at Philadelphia or just the crime explosion of Philadelphia, because I think these are questions that really beg deeper understanding from people who study this, criminologists and people who are professors of criminology. I've heard a number of rationale reasons being given in the past for why they're happening at the numbers they are. And I I think that there are some 
significant factors, not the least of which is the pandemic. I, I think that it's, it's questionable whether we would be where we are in terms of overall violent crime, and especially with the carjackings, had it not been for the pandemic. So we saw it happening in other parts of the country before it was hitting us. It seems like in Chicago, I think it was happening earlier in the year last year. And then our second half of the year saw a significant rise. And that's when we started to really take notice of it. And then the beginning of this year, it's continued to, to go in really very unfortunate, unfathomable levels. Now we're seeing a, a corresponding violence that goes along with this, and it's really unfortunate. I mean, we can't help but recognize that back in 2021, we had the tragic homicide of a young man that was going to Temple University, and he was returning from, I believe it was a Thanksgiving break with a car that belonged to his mother, and he was accosted and he was killed. And then, as we all know, what we had, what we spoke about earlier this morning at Ethan Race was a horrific homicide of a 60-year-old individual who had just returned to his mother's residence and he was accosted and he was shot and killed. And there have been a number of other people that have been shot during the course of these carjackings. And there have also been a corresponding number of people who have shot at the people who would be their carjacking robber. So the level of violence is growing on a number of fronts, but there's not just one reason and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. You mentioned the pandemic being one of the many potential causes. What is it about the pandemic that could be pushing people towards violence? So it's a it's a great question, but I'll I'll go to the most basic element of what the pandemic did to embolden individuals. Shortly after the pandemic started, we were told to put on masks. There is nothing more crucial for an offender to feel that their identity is hidden. And when they're wearing that mask, they're no longer standing out in society. They don't have to hide their identity. Their identity is hidden because of the pandemic. So masks in and of themselves are a critical feature of why we've seen a rise in violence overall, and especially now. Because remember, if I'm going to make an arrest for a carjacking, we have to be able to identify the offender. And if you're wearing a mask and all you're seeing is my eyes, then it's going to be incredibly difficult for you as a carjacking victim to be able to identify me. And that's why we put the carjacking task force together, because we realize that identification alone is going to be difficult to impossible in many of the carjackings. So what we're doing is we're going to other, other investigative steps in order to be able to charge the individuals that are operating these carjacked vehicles, we have to do further investigation. So that's a big part of the pandemic behind carjackings and crimes in general. I think that's been a big part of why we've seen a rise in violent crime, especially in the city and across the country. You mentioned the task force. Where was the idea for this task force born from? Where did it come out of? Is it something that is really being driven only by the Philadelphia Police Department, or are you guys tapping into other resources, other law enforcement agencies to get some help? So we're definitely tapping into all resources. Um, I mean, it starts from within the police department. We're pulling resources from throughout the city. We have a major crimes unit. So we're utilizing the abilities of a supervisor there and the detectives that are working in our six divisional detective divisions, but then we're going above and beyond. It was a few weeks back. There was an incident that actually occurred in, in Montgomery County at the Willow Grove Mall. 
And I had mentioned it to the commissioner that there were young individuals, I think two of them were juveniles and one might have been an adult, who were arrested for a strong arm robbery at the Willow Grove Mall, but they were all from Philadelphia. And it was at that point she said, well, are we working with our regional partners? And immediately we said, okay, we're, we've already formed our, our carjacking task force, which utilizes our abilities both within and outside of the police department, meaning with our federal partners. But we also are bringing in our, our law enforcement partners from other jurisdictions, Montgomery County, Bucks County, Delaware County, Chester County, everywhere around. That's not to say that everybody has the same problems that we're experiencing in the city. It seems like the city is where they go to do the carjackings mostly, but there were carjackings that occurred that are connected to, to this series of crimes that occurred in Montgomery County. And I believe even in Delaware County as well. I just want to note from internally and externally, besides police departments, we're working closely with our, our main partners are the FBI and the ATF. I mean, they are our partners throughout the year. We have detectives and investigators that are assigned to them full time, but they've actually dedicated resources to work with us all the time. And that's what's really making this a task force. If someone does try to carjack you, what should someone do? How do you manage to keep yourself safe in a situation like this? There are things you can do even before you're getting carjacked. And they just start with some basics. And we preach this all the time to the, the, the good citizens of Philadelphia. Know your surroundings. Know where you are. Dimly lit areas can be more dangerous than well-lit areas. And that's not to say that you're not going to get carjacked in an area that's well-lit. But when you're getting out of the car right after you've parked it is a vulnerable time. People often, their, their car is stopped. They may be thinking about the things that they need to gather and getting out, and they may not be aware of their surroundings, and somebody could approach them on foot or on another in another vehicle and then jump out of that vehicle at the, la at the last second. So you really got to know your surroundings. Keep your phone with you. For women who leave their phones in a pocketbook, they may be ordered to leave the, leave the pocketbook back in the car if it happens. But the overriding element of everything that I want to convey to the entire listening public is this. Don't fight with your carjacker. It's not going to be worth it. No matter how important that car is, and I understand that a car might mean livelihood, it might mean everything. It's, some of the possessions inside of the car might mean everything. But what we've seen recently is that people have been shot and killed, and it's for the purpose of taking the car. I Personally, I don't believe that the carjackers are looking to kill people. I think that it's they, they're looking to threaten people. But I will say this, if, you, if people are inclined to not comply, that may increase the level of likelihood that violence will come about from the incident itself. I, I know that there are discussions about should you fight back? If you have a permit to carry an illegally owned weapon, does it make sense? And we've seen incidents of that happening in the city. That's a personal decision that only the individual at that moment in time can make. My suggestion is just give everything up. Walk away from the car. Have the car insured. Most cars are insured and it won't be a financial loss. I understand that, that it's devastating to go through that type of a crime, but there's nothing that's worth losing your life over. At least that's the way I feel about it. And that's what I tell my family and my friends. It's not worth fighting about. It. I'm not trying to tell people in obvious, normal everyday auto crashes to leave the scene of an accident. But I am saying that we have seen sometimes people getting bumped. It's been a precursor, a subterfuge for, for an incident. That's not the ones that happen the most frequently. 
The most frequent carjackings are when people are getting into a car or out of a car. And those are the times that you really have to be aware of your surroundings. What type of information or leads are most helpful to law enforcement as they try to break up carjacking rings like the one that you guys just busted this morning? Well, everybody should know a basic thing. Everybody should know their, their license plate. They should know what kind of car they're driving. They should know what their license plate is. I know that sounds silly, but a lot of people just, they just don't know what their license plate is because sometimes if we're going to be able to identify the specifics of a car that was taken, we need that basic information. And that can help us in tracking it down. Other things that they can do is that there are cars, there are, are applications now with newer cars that can help to identify where your car is, navigational systems that can actually track your car, things like that. And then just stay calm. Just take a look, see if you can see gender of individuals, approximate age, if you can remember what they're wearing, great. But also look around and try to get a description of the vehicle if they came in another vehicle. If you see it looks like they came out of another car, try to remember at least the color of the car. If you can remember the make of the car, that would be great. If you can remember the model of the car, that would be helpful. And the home run is if anybody can get a license plate off the car that was involved in this carjacking incident. I mean, that may be too much to ask at a time of terror, and we recognize that. But the main thing is to just stay calm and then try to immediately report it. Don't hesitate. If you don't have your phone still on the on you, try to flag somebody down and ask for help or go knock on a door and say, please, can you help me call 911 immediately? The faster we get a 911 call, the faster we'll be out there, the better likelihood we have of catching somebody who's just fled in the vehicle. Philadelphia Police Deputy Commissioner Ben Nash. We appreciate you coming on to help kind of clear up some of the air on this. And we appreciate your continued hard work out there. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate all you guys. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina boyd Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the podcast. We'll see you again on Wednesday.